Good morning, and uh, welcome to Genesis Church. Uh, my name is Paul Mumon. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, how many of you uh, have ever found yourself uh, in a situation, maybe, uh, maybe recently, but a situation where uh, you knew that you were stuck and uh, you desperately needed uh, someone to help you uh, get out of it? I mean, somewhere that you never expected uh, to get or arrive at in your own, uh, something you couldn't fix on your own. I mean, maybe it was a, a home kind of fix-it project. And uh, you, you've got some experience in that area. You've talked to someone, you've helped someone before, and so as a way of saving some money, uh, you just decided to go after that project uh, on your own. Maybe it had something to do with a, a car repair. And uh, you watched a YouTube video. I mean, you, you watched the guy on YouTube and, and, and how it, easy it was for him to do it, and so uh, you tackled it on your own, but uh, before you knew it, you kind of found yourself uh, in a mess, a situation uh, that you realized that uh, you were way in uh, over your head. Maybe you were needing help uh, moving or something, and so you brought together a bunch of your friends, and you fed them lunch, and you, you, you packed up your moving truck. I mean, some of us ha have no problems at all asking for people uh, for help. Uh, others of us, maybe it's not so easy, you don't like to ask for help. I mean, we can be a proud people, uh, right? And so we don't like to ask for help. I remember uh, one uh, evening, my wife sent me to CVS to buy some face moisturizer for her. You ever been in that aisle before? You ever seen that shelf and had the thousands of face moisturizers that are out there today? I had to take some pictures uh, with my phone and send them to her. I needed to get uh, some help. I remember another time I was a senior in high school and I was working for this appliance company on the weekends and we would deliver and install these home appliances. And we had this, we had this beat up pickup truck. We called it the old red Chevy. I mean, that's just how we referred to it as at work. And I was out on a short delivery and I uh, had to swing by the gas station, fill the truck up. And uh, any of you ever put diesel fuel uh, in a truck that's only uh, intended for unleaded fuel? Yeah, that was me uh, on that particular day. That was a little humiliating, all right? That's a tough conversation uh, to have with your boss. Now, thankfully, he was a godly, uh, patient man. Uh, he, he had a lot of patience with me, but I'll just say that that, never, that truck never ran the same uh, ever again uh, after that day. It was difficult. It was, it was challenging, again, to have that conversation uh, to ask for help. Uh, I, I'm sure every single one of us, we all have stories. Uh, we have all have those times and those memories where we were caught in a jam and uh, those times where we couldn't find a way out of the mess that we're in. And sometimes those memories are funny. Uh, sometimes they're not so funny. Uh, other times when the, when the stakes are, are, were much greater, uh, you know, much higher, and uh, the damage that resulted from it uh, maybe is something that you're even living with. Uh, still today. Well, we're in week three of our series called Finding Your Way Back to God, and we've been looking at a well-known story uh, here in the New Testament in Luke chapter 15, uh, if you'd like to follow along with us. And uh, this is a story that even if you're new to church, uh, it's a, a, there's a good chance you've heard some telling uh, of this story before, too. It's the story of the prodigal son. It's a story that Jesus told for us. And uh, all throughout this series, I've been inviting some different people to come up and help me with this story. I'm going to invite uh, Sonia Boland to come to the stage and help me today. If you'll give Sonia uh, a hand as she's coming. Sonia and I were talking before the service, and uh, I said, you know, how long have you been coming here now, Sonia? And she said, well, I, I think it wasn't too long after you got here, and I I've been here for seven years now, so sometime between uh, six and seven years, and it's just been so cool uh, to see what the Lord's doing in your life, Sonia. And uh, so uh, tell us a little bit before you read our scripture today, how did you find your way back to God uh, through Genesis Church? So I grew up in a Catholic church, was baptized, took my first communion, and was confirmed. 
but I never felt like I had a connection with God um, or his words. And for over 15 years, I kind of did my own thing. I didn't um, give much thought of what a church would think, what God would think. Um, so fast forward to a few years ago, and Kylie, my daughter, who's 10, wanted to come to church because her friends came here and they had fun. So reluctantly, I brought her. I sat over there and felt very uncomfortable, worried that they would talk about God and Jesus. And guess what? They did. Um, between then leading worship and the music, I started to feel something happening. Paul up here giving sermons where I felt like it was relatable. I could understand it. I could apply it to things that were going on in my life. Um, my heart began to soften. I got plugged in serving. I started serving in the nursery and then moved on to the host team. Still serve in the nursery. I get to serve a dean every month, which is amazing. Um, in 2011, I was baptized in the park, which was an amazing day. And that's just a small part of my story of God leading me back to him and through Genesis. That's awesome, and uh, Sonia, it's been so fun to have you here as a part of this family, and uh, you're just a great example of someone who just, you came and, and not only encountered the Lord and uh, just growing in your own relationship, but also your desire to be a part of this family, and so uh, you are always at it and serving in so many places, and uh, we just love having you uh, as a part of this, and she told me last week when I asked her, she said, I don't know, I'm really nervous about getting in front of people, but I think she did a pretty out outstanding job, didn't she? And so we've been looking at this text and wanting to read it over just week after week, but uh, Luke 15, 11 to 24, and, and Sonia is going to read that for us today. This is from the New Living Translation, the parable of a lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A young man, or a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide up his wealth between his sons. A few days later... This younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced and kissed him. His son to his father said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have fattened. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but is now found. So the party began. Awesome. Thanks, Sonia. Let's give her a hand again and thank her. <clears throat> You know, there are five awakenings that we've been talking about in these first few weeks of this story. Five awakenings uh, the son uh, that we just read about in this story experienced uh, on his way home. And uh, interestingly enough, these are five awakenings. Uh, you and I, that we experience too uh, on our way back to God. If you're taking notes today, week one, we talked about this awakening to longing. And uh, that's just a reminder for us that it doesn't matter what you think about God or church. 
Uh, we all have, every single one of us has this shared longing uh, to be loved. Uh, a longing to, to find our purpose uh, in our days, a longing for meaning in life, even when life doesn't make sense. And so we awaken to longing uh, when we begin to realize that these longings are God-given, that he put these in us, and that they can only be satisfied uh, in a relationship with him. But, but what happens? Uh, what happens for us? I mean, so often we go looking to other things to do for us what only God can do. And uh, Christian or not, like the prodigal son in this story, what we do is we set out to go finding our fulfillment uh, in other things. We go looking to, to satisfy the, these longings uh, on our own terms. And so we'll go looking for fulfillment in what one person called the three S's uh, so often in things like sex and uh, success uh, and significance. And when these things, when they become for us, when they become our priority, I mean, when we let these things take the place of God in our life, we stumble. And uh, we find ourselves empty and disappointed. And that disappointment leads to the second awakening. In week two, last week we talked about this awakening uh, to regret. And in, and in this awakening, uh, we encounter really a great crossroads uh, that are gonna, is going to move us in one direction or another, uh, depending on which way uh, we choose. You know, so often, unfortunately, many of us get caught up into this uh, merry-go-round sort of craziness in our life. We get stuck. Uh, so many times in this endless cycle of poor choices and, and regret, and, and maybe we experience some guilt in these moments, but it isn't too long before, you know, we just end up back in the same place and doing the same things over and over again. It really is this cycle uh, of one bad decision after another, and for some people, uh, some of us live it out in the casino. You know, and you, you move from one slot machine to another. And for some people, uh, one of the ways that they live this out is at the mall. And so it's from one store to the next, sliding the credit card, you know, store after store. Uh, some of us live out uh, this cycle uh, of regret uh, on the internet. You know, we allow darkness to consume us, to, to consume our minds and to influence every choice and every decision uh, that we make. Some of us live it out at the bar. You know, every, every drink we take one after another. And so often what happens is we do, we get caught up in a continuous pattern of searching fulfillment on our own terms and finding disappointment, searching again and thinking, you know what, this time it'll be different, only to find ourselves in this ongoing round and round sort of a cycle, uh, drowning uh, in regret. This past June, um, I took my family for the very first time. We went down to Holiday World uh, in southern Indiana. I like to refer to Holiday World as kind of the Chick-fil-A of amusement parks. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, just with the, the service and the experience and all. And we had a great time there uh, as a family. And one of the things that I discovered uh, in our trip to this amusement park is that my middle son, my uh, almost 10-year-old son, Luke, loves roller coasters. And uh, so, so we, we took on every roller coaster uh, there at Holiday World uh, on that summer day. And so we did the voyage. And, and if you've been to Holiday World before and if you've seen the voyage or if you've, you've ridden the voyage, I mean, it, it's this insanity sort of a roller coaster. And you, you go over that first, you know, peak and you just look down and, I mean, you really think to yourself, this is crazy, this is crazy. You know, I, I can't believe we're doing this. And you just fly through this ride. And then there's the Thunderbird. It's this new ride that goes from zero to 60 in something like 3.5 seconds and is all over the place and upside down. Again, a great uh, thrill of a ride. But it wasn't either of these rides that caused me any problems on that day, but it, it was instead a ride that my seven-year-old daughter, Kate, uh, really wanted me to, uh, to, to go on with her, a ride called 
the turkey world. And uh, I, I don't know if you've been to Holiday World, if you know of the turkey world, but it's about what it sounds like. It's this well, more than life-size sort of a turkey uh, that you sit in, and there are maybe 10 or 12 of them on this platform, and not only does the platform spin, but the turkey spins, and, you know, it, it's a thrill of a ride, and my daughter loved it, but I about lost everything that I had eaten, not only on that day, but also in the previous days, uh, in just this few minutes uh, of the turkey world. And, uh, man, I just found myself with my eyes closed, just begging the Lord to end the ride. Please let, you know, this particular ride come to an end, you know, before, again, before I lost my lunch. Thankfully, you know, I didn't. But it's so easy, isn't it? I mean, as you think about life, as you think about the decisions and choices that we make, as you think about those things that we pursue or that we give our life to, it's so easy to find ourselves in places that we really don't want to be. Uh, it's so easy to find ourselves in situations and circumstances stuck in places we, we thought we would never be. And before you know it, round and round we go. It's almost like this endless cycle. And you know what? If some of you, if you're honest with yourself this morning, you know you're there right now. And you've given yourself to, to so many things, so many things apart from the Lord. And you're looking fulfillment and, and it's just not satisfying. And, and what you're doing, maybe, maybe you'd even admit this today, what you're doing isn't working. And, and you're dying on the inside, you know, stuck with, with no way out. The good news today is that there's hope. That's what we're about. That's what we were singing about here this morning is that there is hope. I mean, it's what we see in this story that we've been reading together these last few weeks. There is a way out. There is a way back for us. You know, we're prone to wander, even as Christ followers. You know, even in coming to Christ, and maybe for, for many of you here today, you, you've trusted Christ with your life. You know you've got a moment like that. Maybe you were baptized, and so you, you've trusted him, but it, we're so prone to wander. You know, even as followers of Christ. And so the five awakenings for us aren't just something that, that happens uh, when we find our way back to God initially, but they are awakenings that really we need to come back to time and time again. It's kind of like the 12 steps of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, are the 12 steps, you know, something an alcoholic uh, goes through one time and then is cured? Well, if you've been through something like that before, you know, of course not. I mean, a person trying to break free from, from an addiction needs to work the 12 steps over and over Again, well, these five awakenings uh, are like that for us, too. And as uh, Dave and John Ferguson talk about in their book, Finding Your Way Back to God, the five awa awakenings are something that we have to come back to time and, and time again, even as Christians. And uh, does anyone know the, the, the first step in the 12-step program? You know, it's the step that we admit that we're powerless. Uh, we admit that we're powerless over our own addiction. That's another way of saying, you know what, I can't do this on my own. We'll talk to anyone who has struggled uh, with an addiction uh, or who works with addicts, and they'll most likely tell you that 80% of the battle is fought in this first step. Because, see, asking for help isn't easy. It's not easy. I mean, we're proud people. And if you're a parent of young children, you know how proud and uh, you're stubborn even your young kids can be. I mean, you know that there are going to be times when they ask for help, but then there are going to be times that they want to do it on their own, right? They want to do the work, and so as a parent, you just kind of sort of have to stand back and let them experience some of them uh, of this for themselves. And we, but we don't, we don't outgrow that stubbornness, do we? I mean, it's like what author Richard Rohr uh, says. He says it like this. He says, you know, we'd rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the present and let our illusions die. You know what, maybe for some of you, maybe today is a day that reminds you that you're tired of fighting. 
you're tired of trying to do this on your own. Well, the third awakening can, can change the course uh, of your future. Uh, this third awakening that we want to talk about today, it can change the course uh, of your life. The third awakening is this. Uh, it's awakening to help. Awakening to help. Uh, it's like this in Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 17. We read this just a moment ago. Jesus said, you know, when he came to his senses, when this, when this young boy who had left everything behind, left his family, taken his inheritance, and gone off into his wild living and, and hit rock bottom, it says, when he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? They've got extra. And here I am starving to death. Here's the decision that he made in his mind. He says, you know what, I'm going to set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. We'll look at that passage a little bit more uh, in the next couple of weeks. But when the son came to his senses, he decided, you know what, it's time to get my life turned around. I'm mean, going to have hit rock bottom. I don't want to live like this any longer. And last week we talked about uh, the biblical word for this. It's the word repentance. Uh, repentance is just literally uh, realizing uh, the direction you're going is away from God and what he wants for you and what he wants uh, for your life. Uh, and repentance implies not just stopping what we're doing, but turning around and going back in another direction. It's returning. It literally is returning to where we belong. See, repentance is all about changing our mind, but it's not limited to that. It's also about changing our direction. We change our mind. We change our direction, and that's what this son does. I mean, after he comes to his sen our senses, look what he did. Verse 20 says, uh, so he got up and went to his father. He got up and he went to his father. Yeah, he went home. And for us, uh, repentance is the same thing. Again, repentance is the decision to return to the Father, to come home. You know, the third awakening for us is a real game changer. I mean, it really is a game changer. It's here where we acknowledge that we're done trying to fix things on our own. It's here where we acknowledge that we're done trying to fix ourselves. We stop trying to prove ourselves or stop trying to find fulfillment uh, in other things. I mean, in this awakening, we realize that we can't do it on our own. And uh, for each of the last few weeks, uh, we've uh, provided a prayer for you, uh, a prayer that we just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you again today to maybe kind of incorporate into your prayer time, uh, even this week, uh, even to pray right now, a prayer uh, that goes like this. The prayer of the third awakening is just simply this, God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Man, I want to challenge you. I mean, if you're here today, if you doubt, if you've got all sorts of questions, uh, what would be the risk of just praying a prayer like that? God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And to commit yourself to praying a prayer like that. But to pray, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And then here's where it gets specific for this week. To pray, awaken in me the willingness to turn to you for help. You know what, later on in the service, we're going to give you an opportunity uh, to do just that. In fact, when you came in today, you probably received a card that looks like this. Uh, it's a card for you. Uh, just to kind of consider and think about where you are today and maybe what God's doing in your life or maybe what he'd like to do uh, in your life even here this morning. And we're going to give you an opportunity to, to fill that out if you choose and to maybe get up from your seat and do, do something uh, in a way that you'll remember, uh, a day that maybe will mark your life and mark this moment uh, for you. But before we do that, let's talk about the reception uh, you'll find when you do this. I mean, what kind of God do we encounter uh, as we turn for home, I mean, what kind of father do we see, uh, the father who will be waiting for us? Well, it's the father in this story. 
Uh, it's the father in the story. And Sonia read it for us just a moment ago. I mean, Jesus tells us that as the son walked the journey home, look at the second half of verse 20. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, you and I, we can't understand how big of a deal this really is, but in the first century Middle East, a father would have never stooped to a level like this. I mean, this was a very undignified, um, uh, unacceptable sort of response. Now, why? Well, first of all, uh, running in a day like this with a robe on meant pulling up your robe, uh, exposing your bare legs so that you could actually take off uh, running. Now, you can get away with shorts here at Genesis Church. I mean, we love being that kind of a church, but, but in this culture, showing your legs uh, on, in a day like this, especially as a father, Again, this was a shameful act, and what's more is that grown, respected men like this, they didn't run anywhere, especially the patriarch of a family. I mean, people were expected to come to him, not the other way around. And there's something else significant about this father running. You know, as Jesus was telling this story, and keep in mind, there were people there, just people like you and me, religious leaders as well uh, in this day that were listening to this story. I mean, as Jesus is telling this story, uh, his, his audience would have had a very difficult time imagining the scene that Jesus is painting. You see, in their day, a boy who had taken his father's money and gone off to a foreign land and wasted it among the Gentiles would have experienced a very different sort of reception uh, in coming home. Typically, here's what would have happened. The people of the town, especially the leaders of this particular town, would have intercepted him uh, at the town gates and performed a ceremony that is referred to as the Kesaha. All right, and this is how a ceremony like that would go. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let the boy back in the village to begin with. He would have never gotten home. He would have never gotten to the father. Instead, what they would have done is they would have taken a clay pot as they intercepted him at the town gates. They would have taken this clay pot and thrown it down and smashed it in front of him, right in front of his face as a symbol that the boy wasn't welcome back. It was a way of saying, you've broken our community. You are now cut off from us from this day forward. You are no longer welcome here. And that's the reception the son would have expected. Maybe the reception that he deserved, but not with this father. You see, this father of ours is so different. And why? Well, because the father in Jesus' story is the father Jesus knew. It's the father that he prayed to. It's the one that he talked to every single day. This is the father that Jesus lived for. And what's this father like? Well, day after day, we can only imagine he scanned the horizon, hoping that that day, that today, would be the day that his son came home. And what's he experiencing as he waits? Well, we can use our imagination. We can only help but wonder. He likely had friends and family members that were in his ear telling him, you forget this worthless boy. You just let him go. He's a failure. He's an embarrassment. He's an ungrateful brat. Can you imagine a father like that, hearing the voices like that from a community of his? You ever hear voices like that in your life? When you find yourself at maybe the lowest place of your life, maybe even where some of you are today, I mean, voices telling you that what you've done is too great, it's too shameful, that no one would ever welcome you back, that God would never welcome you back. Well, this father, he didn't stop watching. He was waiting for his son return, and when he sees him on the horizon... What's he do? He doesn't wait for him to come. But Jesus tells us, the scriptures tell us that he takes off running. He humiliates himself in front of his neighbors and he runs to this boy to protect him from the Kesaha 
And before anyone can say you're not welcome or you are cut off, the father grabs him and embraces him and he welcomes him home. Let me just ask you this. Do you understand that this is the father who is waiting for you? This is the same father and what he thinks of you. This is, this is the God who is willing to risk his reputation on you. He is the father who is waiting for you to admit that you need help. And what's he like? Well, he will run to meet you. He will open his arms and he will forgive you and he will always take you back no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've wandered in your life. I want you to know today that he will always take you back. You know, the image of a, of a father running um, to his son reminds me of the story of the Olympic athlete Derek Redman. Um, Redmond's career was frustrated over and over again by running injury, and by the time the 1992 Barcelona Olympics came around, he had already undergone five operations, uh, including one on his Achilles tendon uh, four months prior to the game's beginning. Well, in Barcelona, everything seemed to be going f uh, well for him. Things were finally coming together for this uh, athlete as the games began, and he was running well and already recorded the fastest time of the first round uh, and won his quarterfinal heat. Um, but by the time the uh, semifinal race came to be, uh, he was ready to go, high hopes and all. And it's a race that uh, many people will never forget. That's a powerful clip that uh, gets me every time. And I don't know if you could read his lips or not, but it's almost like you could make out, you know, I'm his father, get away from us. You know, we don't need your help. You know, this is my son. You know, I have no idea who won the gold medal in that particular race, but I will never forget that scene of a father running to his son and carrying him on to the finish line. You know, in the same way, our God is a father who runs to us. And uh, he picks us up and he wants to carry us on uh, to the finish line. You know, do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder what our Heavenly Father thinks of you? Like of you personally. Like when he looks at you, what he, what he thinks of you and and who you are. You know, David said it like this in uh, Psalm 139, uh, beginning in verse 17. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. You know, we see both quality and quantity here. God has a lot of quality thoughts about us. Uh, the quantity of his thoughts of you and what he thinks of you, and how proud he is of you, and how much he loves you. In Jeremiah 31.3, uh, we read, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with an unfailing kindness. You know, it reminds us that his love never fails. Uh, it never fails for you. I mean, there's no end to it. That means that you haven't used it up, uh, that you haven't caused his patience to run empty with you. He's not given up on you. He will not give up on you, this God of ours. He loves you with an everlasting love, an unfailing kindness. John writes in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. He reminds us that we belong to him, that you belong to him. I mean, his word shows us, these words show us that when God looks at you, he, he not only thinks about you, but you move his heart. You move his heart to compassion, just like the father in the story. His heart goes out to you, and he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with unfailing kindness. This is what he experiences in his life. You affect the heart and the emotions of God. And just as a good father is emotionally impacted by his children, 
when God looks at us, he is filled with affectionate feelings towards us. You and I, we are his beloved children. So let me just ask you this. You know, as you think about that moment of reunion between the father and the son, what expression would you imagine on the face of that father when they finally meet, when they finally come together once again? Just use your imagination for a moment. What, what, what picture do you see on the father's face? I mean, was the father smiling? What was the, the look in his eyes? Do you have that image in your mind now? Do you realize that what Jesus is teaching us in the story is that our heavenly father has that same expression on his face when he runs to us and when he embraces us? That's what he thinks of you. His everlasting, his unfailing love for you. And the whole reason that Jesus told this story was to help us find our way back to God. And how, how does Jesus know so much about him? Well, we know as we study scripture, we know that he is God. That Jesus is God. And why is that significant? Well, because we can look to Jesus and, and he helps us see that our God is not just some remote God who is out there somewhere, not caring about what's going on down here. But Jesus helps us see that our God is present and he is active and he is loving, relational God who loves to be with his children. He loves to be with you. You see, when we awaken to help, when we decide to come home, we'll discover that help for us has a name. And it's Jesus. Jesus is that help for us. And by looking to Jesus, we discover that God is a God who is present, uh, promising to never leave us on our own. He is a God full of grace, uh, refusing to condemn us. I mean, even, even when it's deserved, and he is a God who, who is humble enough to bend down and, and to care for our needs. He is a God who is loving and giving. He gave his own life to save you. He, he gave his own life on the cross. Uh, to save you and me. See, help has a name for us, and it's Jesus. He is our great helper. He is the one that can help us find our way back to God. And like the son in the story right now, maybe for you, maybe today needs to be a day where you decide, you know what, it's time to come home. It's time to return to the Father. I mean, maybe today is the day you decide to come back and to God. And you know what, all throughout this series, we've challenged you to pray a prayer like this, to pray this prayer. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And I hope for some of you that maybe you've been praying that prayer, and maybe if you've been praying that prayer, uh, maybe you're seeing God show up in your life in new ways. Maybe, maybe for you, maybe he's making himself known to you, even today, maybe even in a greater way. And if he's doing that for you, then maybe today is the day that you decide to change your mind that it's time to return, and it's time to come back to God. And what you need to know is that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone. Uh, it doesn't matter where you've been or how far you've run or how many times you've left. It's important that you know it's okay not to be okay, but to need and to realize that you need God. I mean, with this God of ours, you can always come home and find love as you come back to him. His love is an everlasting love. He is a father that is scanning the horizon, and maybe for some of you today, he is just waiting to extend his love to you, to, to help welcome you home. He's the one that endured the shame on the cross, endured that humiliation. And today he's waiting for you to come home. And it takes a moment now, if you would. And just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do in my life?
let anything stand in the way of you responding to the Lord today and what he's doing in your heart and what he wants to say to you. invite all of us to stand right now. I want to pray for us, and, uh, and then our team's going to lead us in a final song of response this morning uh, as we respond to the Lord today. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for your everlasting love, your unfailing kindness that you show uh, for us. And I pray that all throughout this room right now that people are experiencing that love uh, for themselves today. If that's you, again, if you've never trusted Christ before, I mean, maybe a prayer for you just goes something like this, Lord Jesus, I, I need you in my life. Forgive me. Love me. Show me love today. I belong to you. If you've trusted Christ with your life before, I mean, maybe a prayer of recommitment just goes something like, Lord, I, I have wandered for so long, and I thank you for taking me back today. I want to live for you. He is a good God, and he loves us, and he loves you, and he invites you into a relationship with him. He invites you uh, to come home today. Father, we thank you that, again, your love never ends for us, and uh, we are just opening up our hearts today to say that we need you, God. We love you, and we want to be at home with you again. Have your way in us today. Move throughout our church as we sing, as we respond to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.